on this week's episode of News of the Week for episode 325 of the YLP Podcast. Well, we are coming off the heels of AEW Revolution, and man, dare I say, this may be, at least at this very point, the leader in the clubhouse for show of the year. I'll be giving you my thoughts on the entire show, how I felt, and everything else in between will be kicking off today's show with that. Also, y'all know I'm going to be coming here with news. I don't understand why you think I didn't come with news, but I got news. Of course, we now know that there is a second WWE Hall of Fame inductee. Who is it? Whomst? We'll talk about that on today's episode as well. Also, Eric Bischoff sharing his thoughts on Tony Khan purchasing ROH last week. And dare I say, he actually has very positive thoughts on Tony Khan purchasing ROAs as well as Braun Breaker. Of course, we know he had lost the NXT Championship at Roadblock this past week. And apparently, there is already talk of Braun Breaker going up to the main roster. We'll discuss all of that and more on today's episode of the YLP Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Saturday, March 12, 2022. I hope y'all had an amazing week. Kicked ass, took names, and everything else in between. But now, it's time to start the show. Why? Simply put, this is episode 325 of the YLP Podcast. Let's hit that intro. Let's get it started. And with that being said... Let us begin. The work week is finally over. Time to lay back, relax, and settle in. Because it's Fretzelmania Friday, and you are listening to the Fretzelmania podcast right here on WrestleAddict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. What's going on guys? Zach from the Wrestling With Issues podcast here and welcome to episode 325 of the YLP Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this lovely Saturday. And I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, opinions, or anything of the concern about today's episode or anything I may have missed from today's episode in terms of news, do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message over on anchor.fm slash Perspective and anchor.fm slash Radio. Also, you can leave comments over on ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, Amazon Music, Audible, Spotify, all that good stuff, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts, okay? Also, you can hit me up with an email over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Saturday, March 12th, 2022. I hope you guys had a fantastic week. 
I hope you guys had a very productive, kick-ass week. I hope you guys did great things. All that good stuff. And hopefully one day one of y'all hit me up with a voice message and let me know you what accomplishment, what productive thing you did this week. I would love to hear from you guys for sure because dialogue is always good from podcast host to podcast listener. I want to hear from y'all. Sound off. Let your voice be heard, damn it. All right. So again, I hope you guys had a great week. I hope you guys enjoyed Revolution this past Sunday. If you guys did, check it out. And that's what we're going to be kicking off today's episode with today. Woo! I gotta say, I didn't call this episode The Revolution Was Televised for Nothing. Alright? This past Sunday, what we saw at AEW Revolution, and I had to mull it over for a few days after I watched it, because I watched about half of it on Sunday night itself, and then half, the rest of it pretty much on Monday night. Um, and f- so, in, initially, I thought this was probably the best show this is the, I literally said, this is the best show AEW may have ever put on, period. 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 I dumbed it down. I brought it down a little bit. I came down to earth. And pretty much in my head, AEW Revolution this past Sunday was probably one of the best, if not the best, um, pay-per-views that they have ever put on. Hands down, this is probably, like, literally in the top three of, of shows, I would say. I mean, I haven't figured out the other two yet. But just as a whole if you're looking at it from right now at least at least this past wednesday's dynamite this is probably the best one of the one of the best shows in terms of pay-per-views probably tops in the game period if we're talking about shows overall one of the best shows if not the best show aew has ever put on period um i did not watch i didn't get a chance to watch the buy-in which sucks but i'll probably have to go back and watch it sometime uh over the weekend just to check out because i really wanted to see that trios match between uh the house of death now, House of Black, I'm sorry, I'm combining Death Triangle and House of Black right now, which would be an insane stable, mind you. The House of Black versus Death Triangle trios match. I wanted, that was the reason, like, when I saw that, um, before I did predictions, um, they announced it after I had done my predictions. So, A, I was pissed, and B, I was like, I need to see that. So, I didn't get a chance to see it yet, but from what I've, from what I saw, um, in terms of like you know gifs and videos and all that stuff it looked like it was it was a solid one so uh, i'm gonna have to go back to that but i did watch the entire main card and i have to say ladies and gentlemen i was not upset one bit i was not upset in the slightest i'm gonna take a sip of my coffee real quick before we continue this wonderful journey we're about to go on by the way if you ever never ever had a uh, one of those nespresso pods in your coffee i highly suggest it Mm. Something naughty. Something. Mm. Probably mm. tastes a little naughty. I like that. Some. I don't know. Hits a little different. But if you like espresso, 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 not espresso. Like myself, it is damn good and will definitely get you uh, through a little bit of a rut. You know, because over here on Mountain Time, about around two o'clock. So yeah, I'm feeling good. But let me get back to this card because that's what we came here to talk about. This card, up, you know, top to bottom. Probably one of the best cards AEW had put together in terms of structure, in terms of everything they had. This looked to be one of the better, like better cards, if not the best card AEW pretty much put together. Tony Khan had said it. I looked at it. We've seen the the build to it. It it was it was a monster of a show, and they did not disappoint from beginning to end. Yes, were there a match or two where I was just like, eh? Yes, of course. I mean, I don't hand out a plus grades for pay-per-views because in my in my mind 
there can be a near perfect show, but if you ha- if you ever have the perfect pay per view, then pretty much the standard would have to be to meet that. You feel what I'm saying? So I don't believe in my head there is a perfect show. There are shows that are damn near perfect that are literally well deserved of an A plus grade. But to me, then you have to set that standard pretty much for until the end of time, pretty much. Feel me? But this this was an amazing show to watch. I mean, Chris Jericho, Eddie Kingston alone was just wow. That started the show. Now, I was expecting kind of similar to how Eddie Kingston battled against CM Punk. And I got that. So, thumbs up for everybody in the crowd. Um, but this this was just literally... It gave me strong style vibes. And y'all know me well enough. Especially, you know, if you're not new here. If, you, if you're one of the OG ones, A, first and foremost, thank you. B, if you're maybe a little bit newer to the YLP podcast, let me just explain that real quick. I am a sucker for strong style. I've seen it in progress, progress wrestling. I've watched it New Japan. I've seen stuff from Pro Wrestling Noah. I am a junkie for strong style. Why? Because in my mind it tells us it tells a better story when it feels more of a battle between, you know, however many people you got in the ring across from each other. I prefer that more so than I do maybe more so the WWE style. And Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston gave me strong style vibes. From beginning to end, you know, just everything that I needed to see in that match, brilliant. Just, you know, chops, suplexes, you know, Kingston, you know, dumping Jericho, dumping Kingston on his head after Kingston dumped Jericho on his head with a freaking German, uh, released German suplex. And I'm just, (laughs) it was just everything I needed to see for that. You know, crowd was into it from beginning to end, you know. Kingston hitting the, the spinning back fist. I think Jericho hit like two code breakers. You know, and ate two king uh, two back fists from Kingston when Jericho went for the uh, Judas effect and then went for the uh, stretch plum. Pretty much forced him to tap. But seriously, this match like was a proper opener to what we had. The AEW Tag Team Championship was pretty fucking solid. You know, don't get me wrong. I got it wrong. <laughs> I really didn't think Jurassic Express for some reason was going to win a championship, but then I, when I looked at how they produced the match and how they put it together, it made sense for Jurassic Express to retain. And I don't know why they call him Jurassic Express right now, even if Margot Stutt isn't there in AEW any longer. It's a good name. It's a good tag team name. I can't be mad at it. But simply put, this tag match, the only reason I kind of like dozed off a tad bit, not like fully fell asleep, but just like kind of got bored with it was the whole you know red dragon young bucks you know trying to pretty much you know stay aligned with one another but you already kind of know if you've been watching pro wrestling for longer than at least five seconds that at some point it will always break down and that's exactly how it looked and it just didn't seem right to have you know an alliance with each other yes they're still you know cool with adam cole baby but it really kind of dragged it down a little bit. And I'm sure if you watched it, you kind of had that same thing too. Like it was it was all right. Like initially, you know, like, hey, you know, hey, 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 what are you doing? You know, and then, you know, breaking up the, I think, I think Red Dragon was trying to get the pen first. Young Buck stopped it. And then vice versa happened and it turned into that. I'm just like, oh, here we go. You know, 
I get it. I get, you know, the, all of that situation. We, we get it. We know at some point Red Dragon and Young Bucks will battle against each other, one, you know, in a tag team match. It's going to be insane. We're going to love it. Everybody's going to be like, five stars, Dave Meltzer shit. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, hello, Mr. Milo. Hi, Dad. Mr. YLP Jr. making an appearance on today's episode. How you doing, bud? I'm good. Just woke up from a nap and had a... Okay, bye. And that was your uh, <laughs> weekly appearance from Mr. YLP Jr. <laughs> Pretty much just wanted to get a couple, a couple rubs and he gone. So... <laughs> Give me one second. I'm going to close this. <laughs> There we go. My apologies. It wouldn't be an episode of the YLP Podcast if there wasn't some stuff going on as I'm recording, so it's all good. But let's get back into uh, the tag match. The tag team match itself, this triple for our tag team match. I mean, besides the whole Red Dragon Young Buck shit, I loved it. Ugh, I loved it. I'm a sucker for tag team matches. It's just, yes. <laughs> you know. But... Like, I'm just, like, trying to think of the match itself and just, like, yeah, that was nice. That was good. It was one of those. It was one of those. But let's move on to the Face of the Revolution ladder match because I pretty much want to have a sip of water and uh, let y'all... Let, I'm going to uh, bask in my own glory in my... Just a second. Give me a second. Ah! Stuff falling. Earthquake. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> anyhow... I told you guys last week on episode 324 of the podcast, if you haven't listened to it yet, please go check that out. But check that out before you check out this. I told you I was going to be Wardlow's night. Yes. Yes, Mr. Wild. Hey, we already knew that Wardlow was going to do something. But, and I'm sure people probably said this too. Yes, he's going to involve himself in the CM, you know, CM Punk MJF dog collar match, which we'll talk about when we get to there because... Wow. Wardlow had his night. This was Wardlow's coming out party. <sighs> it was it was the the whew, sheesh like everybody shined in this match. Every single person at some point in the matchup had their moment to shine. But you know, and surprisingly, I didn't see more of Lee, you know, and Hobbs, you know. Just in, just providing us with, uh, to quote um, the Kings in the Rings podcast, me slapping majesty. Because, uh, I mean, I know it's coming. I mean, yeah, Keith Lee and QT Marshall, you know, did they thing last night on Rampage. You know. But, you know, it's all about Lee versus Hobbs for me at this point. I, I mean, if Lee versus Starks happens first, fine. But if we don't get Lee versus Hobbs at double or nothing, AEW, um, Mr. YLP will have to enter the chat. And I don't know if you want to hear my mouth for more than five seconds with the curse words. I'm going to come out with your asses. But yes, we had that at a little bit of that. Cassidy. <laughs> Cassidy. Oh, my God. That bump. That damn bump. Holy shit. Keith Lee just pretty much just yeeting uh, Mr. Cassidy uh, over way over the top rope, onto Starks and Christian Cage on the outside, and um, unfortunately for Mr. Cassidy, 
He had his arm in a sling on this past uh, Wednesday's episode of Dynamite. Understandable. Because that looked like that shit hurted. Woo! What a... Wow. That I mean, as I always say, y'all couldn't pay me enough to take that bump. Y'all couldn't pay me enough. But kudos for that bump, sir. Um, Ricky Stark... I mean, the only person, honestly, that felt out of place for me in this match was Kristen Cage. For some reason. I just... I, just, I don't know. I guess they wanted to make sure they had the even amount... Well, I mean, Lisa Babyface, Casey Beast Babyface. Wardlow just became Babyface. I guess at the moment you wanted to have the even, you know, baby faces and, you know, heels at that point. But I would have rather seen Ethan Page, honestly, in this matchup. Why? Dan Lambert shenanigans. We live for it here at the YLP realm. If you don't, I get it. But he is an annoying heel, and I like heels. And Dan Lambert just does it. He does it right. He kind of reminds me of the Miz in WWE. Annoying as fuck, and you just want to see him get his ass kicked. But in the, in the you know, person who likes heels... I dig it. <laughs> so, it's just wonderful. But, hey, say la vie. It'd be like that. But this was honestly Wardlow's night. Wardlow wins the Revo- Face of the Revolution ladder match. Gets his chance to become TNT champion this coming St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, on... Uh, is it? Are they doing it? If they're doing it on the 15th, that's weird. Either way, he gets a TNT title shot. Against now who we know as the new TNT champion. And congratulations are in order for Mr. Scorpio Sky. Congratulations to you, sir. Been a, been a hot minute since he's had a championship. And I'm glad to see him take that. I Personally, he's one of my favorites in AEW. Dig him. Congratulations to him. So, Wardlow wins this matchup. And I'm thinking in my head, like, ain't no fucking way MJF going to allow Wardlow to win the TNT championship. This coming Wednesday? 16th then. My apologies. I just think Wardlow now is coming... Is, is Now we can see the beginning of Wardlow coming into his own. I mean, you got Wardlow and Hobbs ripping a damn ladder in half. You've got Wardlow pretty much just bum-rushing Lee and Hobbs on the, on the stage... And then, dro- and then having them fall and drop to the freaking table, taking them out of the matchup. Just, don't, like, honestly, I'll, I'm sure a lot of people said this on Twitter. If we just had a ladder match between Lee, Hobbs, and Wardlow, that would have just been wonderful hoss brilliance. And I know damn well AEW would have fucking just let that be awesome. Decent match. This was a really solid match, but, I mean, everybody, like I said, everybody had their moment. And Wardlow wins. And I'm thinking, yes, now we can begin Wardlow's tale. And I'm, I'm excited to see. I'm, ex- I'm really excited to see how AEW is going to begin the build for Wardlow. Because he's now pretty much still a part of MGF's situation. But we know at some point, Wardlow MGF is going to be the move that has to be made. And that's the match we're going to have to need to see. Feel me? So, if, this, if AEW Revolution was the actual starting point... Great starting point to have. Just my thoughts. Uh, Jade Cargill, Ty Conti. Was I... Did, it did what it needed... It did exactly what it needed to do. Jade Cargill gave the kiss of death to Ty Conti. And then uh, Cargill mocking uh, Conti's... Uh, what she called karate shit. You know, just straight up mocking her. It, it was... It did what it needed to do. 
It did exactly what it needed to do to uh, continue Jade Cargill's rise in AEW. And I know there will still be people out there that will talk their smack on Jade Cargill. But again, remember who she's working with. Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson, don't fuck around. Did you see what they did to the workhorsemen? Will he and Moxley did to the workhorsemen on Wednesday? And did you see what happened on Sunday? We'll talk about that in just a little bit. If you are being trained with someone who could put on matches like that, what we saw with him and Moxley on Sunday, I think she's in good hands. I think she's going to beat MK. You know, Jade Cargo is going to be all right. I mean, she's, you know, she's improving every single week. I've seen the improvement. And I'm only, oh, you're not seeing improvement. She's trying. Dude. You know, AEW's going to push who they believe is worth pushing. And J Card Kill is now starting to become, I guess, in AEW's mind, a monster heel. Because we all know dominant reigns lead to epic moments when the title is dropped. We all know this. I give Jade Cargill her, you know, her just due. Who takes a title from her? Hell if I fucking know. But when it does happen, I'm sure because they want Jade Cargill will be built up to a point where she looks seriously A, unstoppable, B, untouchable. And then once she once the unstoppable actually gets stopped, it becomes a moment where it's just like, wow. Feel me? That's pretty much what I'm going to say about that. Decent match from Cargill and Conti. It did what it needed to do, and Cargill retained. Now we get to the fun stuff. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It just went S-Games mode. Because this this dog collar match, people. From beginning to end, this was brilliant. This was your match of the night. No questions asked. People will probably say Moxley Danielson, you can get that point. People will say Hangman versus Cole, and I will g- give you that as well. But for me personally, this was my match of the night. Oh, my God. <sighs> off, off rip, CM Punk's music comes on. Crowd's going bananas. Only to be cut off by MJF. Mwah! Ah! Excuse me. That's how it works, man. That's that's called wrestling psychology right there. That is wrestling psychology 101. And it works every fucking time. Mwah! Beautiful. MJF comes out. Um, now what, whew, now mind you, I love me some Ring of Honor Punk. People who know Ring of Honor in the early days, fuck with Punk Heavy, especially before he went to WWE. It was just wonderful brilliance. You know, I'm going to bring the Ring of Honor title to WWE. I was just in, I was laughing my ass off in Stitches. Hilarious. Ah, Came out to AFI's Miseria Cantare. Now, I had never heard this song before. Nick told me, and I'm, I'm going to say this on the air, off, you know, off air. Nick was telling me, he already told me, like, yo, CM Punk's entrance, whoa. And I'm like, I'm not watching it right now. Mind you, it was Miss YLP's birthday, so it'd be like that. But 
when I saw him come out to AFI's Miseria Cantare, and people were just like, there were people in the crowd who were singing that song. And I was, was looking on uh, Twitter and whatnot, and people were saying like, you know, holy shit, he came out to his Ring of Honor uh, music. People were like, you know, just gushing over the fact that AFI, would, you know, because it went back to like, you know, back in the day when they were fan- and them still being fans of AFI. It was pretty much across the board, probably one of the best entrances I have ever seen. Coming out to that, you know, in his old gear, back in when, when he was in Ring of Honor, and that, it was it was a sight to see. It was really something I was just like, wow. And people like really were rocking out to this song because it's just you know nostalgia will always give you that good good warm feeling like a grandma's hug. You feel me? That was wonderful. Just just to be able to have just off the introductions, Punk coming out, uh, MJF I should say coming out to Punk's music, well, and then trolling them with his. And then countering that is just his music from Ring of Honor. That is just the psychology in that in and of itself. And you saw it if you uh, with the shot that they had on uh, MJF when he was coming out to uh, his Ring of Honor music. And crowd was just for it. They were all for it. I was all for it. It was just from that alone, I was invested. Just off that, I was like, okay, I have to, there's nothing else I need to do but just sit back and enjoy and this from beginning to end was just, this was a masterpiece. This was just everything I thought it could be. And then they just took it to another level that I wasn't prepared to watch. And then when I when I saw it, I'm just like, yeah. I mean, thumbtacks, superplex off the thumbtacks. The uh, early match, you know, early part of the match when, you know, MJF grabs the microphone Talking smack, demanding Punk, you know, to, to you know to quit, and then CM Punk saying "eat shit, Max." <laughs> it was beautiful. It was fantastic. I mean, just watching that, the GTS to the arm bar, you know, and then earlier on, pretty much um, with CM Punk taking the chain, wrapping it around his hand, and then stomping on it, he couldn't lock in the salt of the earth arm bar, and then. That sequence turns into Punk going for the Anaconda Vice early. That was a wonderful sequence to see. MGF, of course, like I said, had thumbtacks, superplex. And then we have Wardlow. Because the, not only, the match itself was fantastic. What made it even better and what made it my match of the night was Wardlow's part in it. The good old, I can't seem to find the ring. I don't know what happened. I thought I brought it with me. Punk gets to go to sleep. Wardlow's like, I found it. I found the ring. Takes it out of his pocket. Leaves it right on the apron for Punk. Nods his head. MJF spits in his face. Clocks him with the right. And that's it. This was old school. Old school dog collar. A very wonderful, slowed down pace. Even the pulling and the yanking of the chain in the beginning of the matchup. Psychology. You know, using the chain as a weapon. Leaving those welts on the back. 
showcasing what an actual dog collar match is supposed to be. I mean, seeing blood ain't for everybody. Some people get a little squeamish. Some people just don't like the sight of blood. But in something as, you know, very, very, very devastating as a dollar collar match can be, you're going to see some blood. On both sides. Don't get it twisted. Both, you know, whoever's going to be involved with that. You know something, you know, there's going to be some blood. And this was just. It gave me that feeling of old school because of the introductions in the matchup with CM Punk coming out to his Ring of Honor theme song, coming out in his, I guess, what what kind of was his old gear and just giving that nostalgia to us. And then being able to just have this wonderfully paced matchup where it was just a battle and then you get Wardlow coming out and pretty much fucking over MJF. <sighs> brilliance, brilliance, brilliance. Wonderful. Beautiful. Match of the year candidate. Without question. It's it's I'm not saying it's locked in, but it's damn nearly at least at the top fifteen at this very moment. Pretty much already, like, in a sense, ele- gonna be elevated. If we look back on, you know, November, December, and I'm still thinking of that match, yeah, that's pretty much gonna be top ten material. Brilliant. Wonderful. Ten out of ten, Yelp review, all that good shit. Now, the Women's Championship match. First and foremost, thank you for changing the fucking design of the belt. Oh my god. The old belt was tiny. It looked good on Rio. <laughs> but it, for every other champion that we had, it just didn't seem right. That belt needed to be needed a solid redesign. And thank goodness... We got a redesign of the Women's Championship. It makes sense. It looks good. It looks clean. Kind of gives you the... um. I'm trying to think of the championship that's on Lucha Underground. The Gift of the Gods Championship. It kind of has that look. And it looks good. It looks wonderful. It's bigger. <laughs> it's not tiny. It's not just like big oval center and then straps. No. It looks like an actual championship belt and actually now a stand can stand as like alongside the AEW World Championship, the TNT Championship, Tag Titles, TBS Championship, and it looks fine. Good call over there. Match itself though, uh good. I but mm, it, it didn't it didn't have that good feeling about it. Like I watched it, it was alright. Inter- you know, I you know interference. You you knew it was coming. It was all right. It could it could have been a lot better for some reason. I mean, expectations were quite high. I mean, granted, the lights out match that they had last year was probably on a lot of people's top ten list. And if it wasn't, well, at least hopefully in your top twenty. Being serious about that, this one didn't do it for me. And I'm sure it didn't do it for a lot of you listening here in the YLP realm. It just it just had that feeling of just like it could have been a lot more than what it was. It was good enough to you know give me a thumbs up, but other than that, this was in terms of main card, this might have been the worst one. 
it was good, but it just it had that feeling of just like, mm, you, know, you know, interference. Like you, it's it, when you get to a point where you're kind of can see it coming. That's when you know it's just like you're gonna take yourself out of the matchup, and I did. And eh, I mean, it did what it needed to do. I'm surprised Baker retained, but I guess there. This led to when we found out on this past Wednesday's Dynamite title eliminator Rosa beats Layla Hirsch. And then gets a steel cage match at St. Patrick's Day Slam in her hometown of San Antonio, Texas. So if they were setting that all up, it made it made sense to do what they did this past week on Dynamite and with Revolution. Have Baker cheat to win. Thunder Rosa gets another shot, which would kind of in sense be her last shot, quote unquote. And then she gets the steel cage match, barring excuse me, Hater and Rebel. To get involved. Okay? So, if the payoff is Rosa wins the championship at St. Patrick's Day Slam in San Antonio, Texas, have that moment with the crowd, because we usually are used to, you know, hometown favorite losing at home. So, the only way to make sense to have this is just basically having Thunder Rosa win in San Antonio, win the Women's Championship, and all is good in the world. Have the rematch somewhere down the line. If they want to do it at double or nothing, that's cute. Um, if they don't, say la vie. We will move on, though. Before I even get into Moxley Danielson and Paige Cole, I just want to say the six-man tag, six-man tornado tag, nuts. Wonderful, crazy spots. Wasn't expecting Sting to have a damn leap off the freaking, you know, guardrail onto quadruple tables. And this was supposed to be a death death knell. This was supposed to be in a dead spot. They said, fuck your dead spot. And we're just going to do wild shit. If you don't mind. And Sting is 63. I mean, guy, I mean, I give it to Samuel Guevara. He's a nut job. When it, in, in ring. The moves he was doing, the moves he did, and then the, what he had to do, what he did on Wednesday. Oh, Lord. Man is nuts. You gotta just be like some type of like, yeah, I'm gonna do that. And he's just that friend in the group. It's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go do this. That was it. Was just I was gonna say it was basically just in, in, in you know, God, however long it was, it was just a period of insanity, and it just kind of was just like the nice, the nice feeling in a wonderful sandwich between Moxley Danielson and Paige versus Cole. I'll give it that. And I think, like, honestly, it's like, in terms of how they structured the, the match card, you could have, you couldn't have done it any better. You know, you had, you know, three solid matches, and then you had Cargill Conti. You had, you know, pretty much MJF and Punk, and what uh, Baker Rosa was supposed to be. Kind of felt like a dead spot, and that this is not good. But. The six-man tornado tag match was just wonderful filling between the sandwich in the sandwich that is Moxley Danielson and Paige versus Cole as the wonderful bread. In terms of Moxley Danielson, yep, they yeah they did that. It was everything you needed it to be. Be the two men that are just 
that pretty much like Danielson wants to team with Moxley. Moxley said, I don't really, you know, like rock with anybody I, I can't bleed with. So, in essence, they bled together. And it was just, it, it was fantastic. It was just from beginning, like that, like just like Punk MJF from beginning to end, madness. Two men just, we already knew who were going to beat the living fuck out of each other. The second it went from, went to the suicide dive on the outside when Moxley caught Danielson and pushed him into the guardrail and they just started brawling. From that on, then on, that was exactly what you were going to get. Two men that were going to bleed together against each other to eventually bleed together, (laughs) pretty much. This was just Danielson's technical wrestling versus Moxley's brawler ability. And then just taking that and just rolling it up to a wonderful Play-Doh that that was just wonderfully pleasing to the eye and magnificent. And then after, you know, the match was over, after, you know, when uh, Danielson had Moxley in the triangle choke and then he rolled him over and got the pin, or no, he flipped, I believe it was a flip over, he got the pin. Whew! Two men continue to brawl in the ring. Security trying to come out. That didn't work, as per usual. And then William fucking Regal. William Regal. Wow. Wow. Just wow. I wasn't sure Regal was going to come to AEW. But when I think of it, I don't think of just Regal the character in the ring. I think of also Regal the man outside the ring. For most of you that forgot or are maybe new to NXT and just like, ooh, this cool. Well, let me tell you something, kids. (laughs) William Regal in NXT was... William, honestly, William Regal in NXT, I'd say personally, he was the single most important member of Triple H's squadron in the black and gold era. Deadass. Yes, you had Shawn Michaels. Yes, you had Road Dogg, and that's all well and good. But without William Regal being your scout and finding talent, NXT wouldn't NXT black and gold wouldn't have been the era it was. This man is one of the best minds in the business. And now you have that man with that knowledge being the manager of John Moxley and Brian Danielson, two men he has known for at least a decade. Moxley, I believe, for 11, and I think Danielson for 21. And then him explaining why he wanted to bring these two men together on Wednesday was perfect. Basically, he stated, "This is these two are the two sides of myself. The man who never went down the dark road and the man who did go down that dark road and these are two of the best in the game and I am bringing them together and then he like ended the shit it was like so either step up or you'll get so what is it then you can either step up or get stepped on Moxley Danielson in the tag team division is going to be an absolute fucking problem and we all know it we all know it we all know it you know it I know it your grandma know it your auntie know it uncle know it brother know it Dad sure as hell knows it. Moxley Danielson, as a tag team, is going to be insane. 
The only word I can think of when I see these two together is carnage. Absolute carnage. Whoever they decide to have their first feud with, y'all, y'all better make this shit good. Y'all better make this shit good. I expect nothing less than tag team gold for Moxley and Danielson sometime, maybe in 2022. Possibly all out. Don't it out there. Not saying it's a little bit like, you know, trying to look at my crystal ball and shit, but you know, just a thought I had in my head. Page versus Cole. And I'm going to end it with this. This exceeded every expectation I had of this match. I'm being very, very fucking serious. That's how you close out a show. You had Jericho Kingston opening, and then you had Paige Cole closing. And it couldn't have been any two better matches to open and close the show with. This was a ride. This was damn good. A damn good title defense by Adam Page. And I'm very surprised that Page retained. I am very surprised Page retained. Because I know there were a lot of things going on. A lot of people were just, you know, kind of souring on Page's title reign. But looking now looking at his resume, beating Omega to become champion. Going up against Danielson twice. Once in a draw, once and then beat him in 30 plus minutes. Lance Archer in a Texas death match. Adam Cole retaining or page retaining against Adam Cole. I mean, damn, damn. I think of it like this too, because there was bullet club vibes in this matchup as well. When Adam Cole was the leader of bullet club, hangman page was in the squadron. Wonderful vibes there opening, you know, part of the match. up, you know, everybody just cheering. Let's go Adam. I was like, yes, and then from then on, it was just a wonderful story being told. One, it was just, of course, Paige at one, you know, the main part of the story was Cole, uh, Paige tries to throw Cole into the um, steel post on the outside, goes for a clothesline, hits his arm, and pretty much he has to deal with that for the rest of the match. Cole going after that. Of course, you have the Red Dragon distraction. You then had the Dark Order come out. And with Paige pushing, I believe, Alex Reynolds. I'm, I'm assuming it was by accident, but Reynolds did feel some kind of way on Dynamite. But just, this this was just fantastic. This was a really good main event for Revolution. I mean, you got to think about it, too. Adam Page can honestly say he has put on two wonderful matches at Revolution. Lest we forget about Young Bucks versus Omega versus Page, Omega and Page for the tag titles at Revolution. At Revolution, Hangman Adam Page does not miss. This was just wonderful. A wonderful way to close out the show. A, a fantastic way to close out Revolution. Am I saying everything else in between was good for the most part? Yeah. You know, matches delivered. Matches delivered. The marquee matchups, the ones that had to really deliver, they delivered. Wardlow's turn, Wardlow's babyface turn. Lee Hobbs now starting to get into a little bit more of a thing. You know, I mean, from here on out, now we're on the road to double or nothing. And I know for a fact in Vegas, they kill it. 
at double or nothing, they're pretty much like starting the summer off correct. And I think the road to um, double or nothing is going to be something special. Because there's a lot of storylines already going into coming out of Revolution and pretty much beginning the road to double or nothing. They're not playing. AEW is not playing. And from now until Memorial Day weekend, I think we're going to be in for one hell of a damn ride. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was my long-winded review of AEW Revolution. Oh, I was trying to go shorter, but CM Punk MJF, man. I'm not going to forget that match. I'll remember that in December for sure. Damn. So, yeah, that was my long-winded review of AEW Revolution. When we come back on episode 325 of the YLP Podcast, we get into the news of the week. Yes, and of course, we're going to be talking about who has been inducted now as the second member of the WWE Hall of Fame. Who is that? We'll discuss that on the other side of the break, as well as... Eric Bischoff giving his thoughts on Ring of Honor and Tony Khan purchasing Ring of Honor, as well as ROH's future under Tony Khan. You're not going to want to miss that for sure. On the other side of episode 325 of the YLP podcast, stick around. Be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode 325 of the YLP podcast. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to talk about the news of the week. The show where I talk about all the news that's fit for me to talk about. Before I get into that, of course, make sure you check out the Kings of the Rings podcast every Wednesday on YouTube and Twitch. Go over to YouTube.com. And uh, search for Kings of the Rings Podcast. You should be able to find it. They just dropped an episode this past week. I haven't checked it out as of yet. My apologies to King Ricky Rose, Agent K. Murphy, and of course, Mr. Will Shook. I will get to that sometime this weekend. Faux show. Also, you can find them over on Twitch. Uh, search for KOTR underscore podcast. Should be able to find them. Tell them Mr. Wildpe sent you and hello. Also, on Friday, make sure, you, of course, every Friday, make sure you check out the Fretzel Mania podcast. Because he's taking it back. Early days. Early 2000s Smackdown. Possibly Raw. You never know. But make sure you check out those podcasts over on Wrestle Addict Radio. Anchor.fm slash Wrestle Addict Radio. And of course, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Now let's get into the news, ladies and gentlemen. Vader has been confirmed as the second WWE Hall of Fame inductee. After we found out The Undertaker will be the headliner of said event. This is from MSM.com actually, of all places. Written by Ash Rose. Former WCW World Champion Vader has been announced as the next inductee to the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2022. As first reported by Bleacher Report, Vader will be posthumously inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame's 2022 class alongside The Undertaker at the ceremony which takes place on April Fool's Day, April 1st, in Dallas. Vader made a name for himself in the 1980s in Japan, famously battling and beating WWE Hall of Famer Antonio Inoki before becoming one of the biggest stars in the business during his stint in the WCW during the 1990s. Guided 
by the legendary Harley Race. The Mastodon was one of the company's top draws, winning the WCW World Championship three times and battling names like Ric Flair, Sting, and Cactus Jack. And his feud with Cactus Jack was fucking wonderful. Go back, you gotta go back and watch that feud. That was just wonderful violence. Now in 1996, Vader jumped ship and moved to WWE, debuting at that year's Royal Rumble. Under the management of Jim Cornette, Vader challenged Shawn Michaels for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam that year, and would go on to have memorable rivalries with HBK, The Undertaker, and Goldust. After WWE, Vader returned to Japan before slowly winding down his wrestling career. He would later make several one-off appearances for WWE, most notably in 2012 when he was a part of a group of legends who took down Heath Slater during Raw's 1000th episode, and then finally in 2016 to induct Stan Hansen into the WWE Hall of Fame. Vader sadly passed away in June 2018, sorry, at the age of 63, following a month-long battle with pneumonia. However, his legacy as one of the biggest big men, or the best big men, I'm sorry, to ever compete in a WWE ring will now live on through next month's Hall of Fame induction. I love Vader. I love Vader. Vader was one of my is one of my favorite heels ever, low key, and it's just one of those things where we wish we we were able to see him be inducted when he was alive. It's one of those, and it sucks. Because like, that has happened from time to time. A lot of people have, are, you know, with China, same scenario. Owen Hart, we, we're still waiting on that one. Um, British Bulldog, I believe he uh, is gone from this earth, unfortunately. And we want him to be, I believe he got. No, he hasn't. As far as I know, he hasn't, he hasn't in yet. But there's a lot of people that would have wanted to see Vader go in when he was alive. I mean, I still remember the episode of freaking Boy Meets World where he was making an appearance. When uh, I was talking to uh, Miss YLP about it last night, actually. Uh, when I was going over uh, the news with her was what I was going to be talking about this week. Um, the episode where, you know, I believe Sean and Corey were trying to be at two places in the same night. Uh, being uh, ringside to watch Vader fight and um, to be at the dance so uh, Sean can dance with Topanga. No, was it Corey? I don't remember. No, it was Corey. My bad. Sean was dealing with the hair. And um, so that was, like I said... Like, thinking of that and just thinking about that episode, I'm just like, wow. Vader was something. He was. One of the best seals they had in the business. And, um, again, it sucks that he's gone. Because the one thing we would have wanted to see was him, you know, tell his story about how he got into the business and all that stuff. We usually do at Hall of Fame ceremonies. It sucks. It sucks, you know, beyond everything I've thought of. And I'm just like, I'm glad and thankful that Vader is going into the Hall of Fame. I mean, Undertaker and Vader alone, that's a hell of a class. I did hear, though, in terms of the Hall of Fame, they may be doing some things in terms of, like, you know, digitally, Zoom calls, all that stuff. It all depends on who, you know, goes in next. I'm hearing, you know, what was it? There was a rumor of, of possibly the Steiners going in to this year's class. That would be insane. That, that alone would already make it make a case for one of the best classes WWE has put on for its Hall of Fame. But, you know, again, sadly he's gone. It sucks, but thankful and happy that i get to you know we get to see him go in we know british bulldog did go in the hall of fame because his kids inducted him okay anywho glad to see he's in glad to see he's going in and i mean going in with the undertaker in the same class is pretty fucking sweet just putting it out there just me but we shall move on with the news now this one i saw on i saw this news on monday and I'm just like sitting on you know the couch in the YLP compound and just like wow. 
Interesting. So let's go over to WrestlingInc.com and talk about it. Eric Bischoff on if Tony Khan was purchasing ROH was a good deal. This is from Marco Rovere. Hope I got your last name right. If I didn't, my apologies. All Elite Wrestling owner Tony Khan announced last week that AEW has purchased the intellectual property, video library, and brand assets of Ring of Honor. Former WCW president Eric Bischoff spoke about the news in the latest episode of the 83 Weeks podcast, revealing why it made the most sense for Khan to purchase the company over WWE and Vince McMahon. It was revealed that WWE had talks to purchase Ring of Honor after the company announced its hiatus back in November of last year. Quote, you could argue that because of the power of Peacock and that platform that any additional content might be a good strategic move for them, but it makes more sense for Tony. Given his roster, I would agree with that absolutely. If it made sense to anybody, it made sense to Tony Khan, end quote. Tony Khan spoke a little bit more about the signing during last night's, or should I say Sunday's, AEW Revolution post-show media scrum, where Khan spoke a bit about his relationship with Sinclair Broadcasting and why they were excited to work with him. Although the podcast was recorded prior to AEW Revolution, Eric gave his Eric Bischoff gave his thoughts on the ROH Sinclair relationship and why he doesn't believe there's value in that relationship, saying, quote, excuse me, there's not a lot of value there. Optimistically, because there's so much we don't know, Tony can have an awesome plan in his back pocket that we don't know about. Now we've got this amazing roster of talent, and I don't really have enough television on TBS to take advantage of it. Let's start another promotion on another television network. So you're going to produce another television show, assuming it's exclusive, and that talent that's assigned to that Ring of Honor show, now you can take advantage of a huge roster with some great talent. But you've got to pay to produce that show, and there's not enough return on the investment on that show if you expect to monetize it on the Sinclair Network, because guess what? That's why they sold it. Back in October, Tony Khan teased that AEW was in talks with Warner Media for their streaming deal. Eric Bischoff continued to talk about the ROH deal, ultimately revealing why he believes it was a good move for AEW, citing the video library and a potential streaming deal as the main reason. The Hall of Famer also added some criticism about Ring of Honor, stating that in the short term, this purchase doesn't really mean much and said not many people in the United States know what Ring of Honor is, saying, quote, in the end of it, all the conversation about it about was it a good deal for Tony or not. I think it was a good deal. If Tony's goal ultimately is to build independent of Turner, is to build his own streaming platform, absolutely, the acquisition of Ring of Honor makes sense. It's not going to make financial sense in the short term. It's just not. How many people around the, in the United States television viewing audience, how many know? How many of them even know what Ring of Honor is? Short term, it is not going to be profitable, but three years from now, five years from now, seven, ten years out, because streaming platforms are popping up every day, Apple TV, that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and guess what? Content becomes more and more valuable over time. Content that probably wasn't worth anything five years ago conceivably is not worth quite a bit of money because the market has grown and the ability to feed it with content has not. My opinion, short term, that library is going to mean absolutely nothing, and in a lot of cases, it looks like shit. You couldn't do anything with it anyway. It looks like it was built on a phone in a high school gym, but there's still some great content there. Jeez, how long do we have fucking left? Bischoff also provided some insight on, into what he would do if he were in Tony Khan's position right now. The WWE Hall of Famer spoke about using Ring of Honor to retell old storylines and use the backstory from wrestlers' days in Ring of Honor to add a storyline. Fans saw a gl first glimpse of that AEW revolution with CM Punk coming to the ring for his match against MJF in his ROH gear and his ROH entrance theme, saying, quote, Here's perhaps a short-term play that will matter with the Ring of Honor acquisition. If Tony is able to, 
and his team is able to figure out a way to use Ring of Honor and his legacy and the fact that some of its talent that's in AEW got their start early on in Ring of Honor, there's a lot of connective tissue between Tony's current roster and the legacy of ROH. What if they were able to use that and to use Ring of Honor as a backdrop to launch stories from? Because now you get a lot of people, much like they did with CM Punk and Eddie, which lasted for about 45 seconds, it was still pretty fucking cool. Well, now you've got ROH access to the library to use to help fill in the backstory holes that you need to tell a really good story in 2022. I think that's a short-term opportunity. I don't know if it justifies what the cost was because we don't know what that was, but it doesn't fucking matter. You've got it now. Use it to the best of your abilities. Again, great stories have great backstory. Creating a new story out of thin air is challenging. It's obviously done all the time. Vince McMahon! Now you've got a real backstory that you can enhance to launch new stories, and that's what we, what I hope we see, end quote. If I use any of the quotes in the article, of course, 83 weeks gets all the credit. All that good stuff, because I don't feel like getting sued. Anywho, Eric Bischoff, in every sense of what he said, was correct. It may always made sense for Tony Khan to have that, to have Ring of Honor. Vince McMahon having Ring of Honor made no fucking sense. None whatsoever. And yeah, it honestly makes sense to just be better to have that in AEW as opposed to being over in WWE where honestly, it wouldn't be utilized properly. We all know that. Over in AEW, they got a lot of guys who were in Ring of Honor prior to. Now, like I said last week, you have guys like, of course, Jonathan Gresham. You have guys like Josh Woods. You have guys like Silas Young. You have, you know, the Briscoes, who apparently are not going to AEW as of yet um, because of uh, tweets that Jay Briscoe had back in 2013. I'm not getting into that. That's not what I have on tap for this week. But you, you can check that uh, article out. I believe it's, I found it somewhere. I forget exactly where it was, but you can probably find it easily. Simple Google search. It won't hurt. But you have all of this at your disposal. And you have the guys that were pretty much in the heyday. Guys like Danielson, guys like Moxley, guys like, you know, Punk, Kingston, and all that. You have that at your disposal. You're going to use it. But I think, like, but like Bischoff said, it fits better in AEW than it does in WWE because of the guys you already have. <coughs> Excuse me. It just makes sense. It makes all the sense in the world. And... I also agree with Bischoff saying that in short term, it won't be as, you know, I guess profitable, but over time, years down the line, it's definitely going to build into something. And I'm happy also that the Sinclair, you know, pretty much like, we're just good with just being like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> because now you're going to bring Ring of Honor to a new audience. Sinclair Broadcasting is not all across the country. In certain parts of the country, you can get Sinclair Broadcasting. Or you can get Ring of Honor shows somewhere in your area, depending on where you're at. Case in point, I was in when I was uh, staying in Maine with Miss YLP while we were taking care of her father's estate um, back in the summer. Um, we got this like and like antenna you can buy at like you know Walmart for like twenty fucking bucks, and it was able to just give us channels. And one of those channels was Stadium, and Stadium actually had a Ring of Honor. So while Miss YLP was and uh, Mr. YLP Jr. were asleep, I would watch Ring of Honor. And I, would be, and I would catch up with Ring of Honor. So it was pretty cool to watch. But now it's going to be able to, hopefully, somewhere down the line, be put on a national forefront and more fans can get into Ring of Honor as well as they are, as much as they are with AEW. Excuse me. This is a... It was... I mean, Eric Bischoff in every sense of the word is correct. You know, and if, they, and if at some point they get a streaming service, then we good. 
then it, I'm very going to be very happy with uh, the purchase of Ring of Honor. Now, in terms of the future of Ring of Honor, let's get into that. Staying in WrestlingInc.com, backstage news on the future of Ring of Honor staff following Tony Khan's purchase from Eric Mutter. It has been a week since AEW owner and CEO Tony Khan announced he was buying Ring of Honor, and more questions than answers still remain. Some details, however, such as the date the deal will officially close and who will be brought back for Khan's vision of ROH, it may now be known. According to an exclusive report by SE Scoops, Ring of Honor executives are expecting the deal with Tony Khan to be completed around the first week of April, though it is possible the deal could be closed sooner. Sources have described, also described, sorry, the deal as having been done in reverse due to how quickly the deal came together. It was also confirmed that certain details are still being hammered out as the deal is completed. Among those details may involve who was kept on as the ROH regime change occurs. Sources told SE Scoops that Ring of Honor employees do not believe the Khan's regime will be interested in hiring them once the sale is complete. They have thus been encouraged to explore new career opportunities and to speak to HR department of Sinclair Broadcasting, the soon to be former owner of ROH. Severance packages are reportedly being considered but couldn't be confirmed and current Ring of Honor management is unsure if they will release a statement on the matter once the sale is complete. Also being discussed is the future of Honor Club, ROH's streaming service. SE Scoops was told that a call between Ring of Honor and AEW has been set up to review the streaming service's setup and whether it be, will be included in Khan's purchase of ROH. Subscribers will be kept in a loop regarding any potential changes to Honor Club. SE Scoops described a general message to Ring of Honor staff from management as follows, quote, we're fighting for you and exploring how every how to help everyone. If you want to stay in the wrestling business, we're doing our best. But there is no formal transition planned and no guarantee that anybody will stay on. End quote. Tony Khan briefly talked to about his purchase of Ring of Honor last week on Dynamite and again in the post AEW Revolution um, press scrum this past Sunday. Though he has provided limited details, Khan's plan is to continue running Ring of Honor shows, and that's to be expected. Honestly, that's to be expected because you don't honestly with you know who they have on staff right now at Ring of Honor, they're not exactly you know their jobs could be in jeopardy, and that's on you know, I get it, I get it. And that's like the big thing too. Like if you know, but at least you know they're allowing them to be like, hey, if you want to you know explore a new opportunity, you know if you still want to be in the wrestling business, you know we're trying to do our very best to see what we can do. I mean, they also said there's no, they, at least they, they put it out there and put it in the forefront. No guarantee anybody will stay on. No guarantee. That's understandable. It's the nature of the business. Hopefully, many of those who are in ROH right now, you know, somewhere, you know, who are, you know, helping with Ring of Honor, hopefully they do stay on. Because, you know, that would be nice to see if, you know, Tony Khan being able to retain most of the, you know, ROH regime as it stands right now. That's the hope. That's the hope I have. I mean, I am an optimist. But I'm also a realist. If you know who said that quote, hit me up. Um, but I am. I mean, I'm very optimistic about what AEW and Ring of Honor are going to do together. Whenever they close the deal, that's, you know, it bees what it bees. But, you know, the big thing, too, is, you know, Honor Club. I think that this is a bigger thing. Because I think for Honor Club members, I think, honestly, AEW should keep Honor Club. They should keep Honor Club as a thing. They should, because that will provide a lot more content for AEW to use. 
And then at the same time, you can use that streaming service, hopefully. I mean, if the service setup is pretty sweet, you know, you can actually keep them on there, have all the Ring of Honor shows that they have, you know, thus far, and then you can start in adding AEW content along with, you know, what they have in ROH. It's, it makes sense. Honestly, it makes a lot of freaking sense. You know what I mean? So if they can add that in the deal, that's great. Hopefully most of the employees that they have in uh, Ring of Honor do stay on. I understand, you know, in their mind, you know, they don't think they'll be hired once the sale is complete. And at least, you know, Sinclair Broadcasting is, um, you know, telling, you know, come speak to us if you want, you know, if you're looking for new opportunities, hopefully we have something for you. You know, severance packages, you know, if they're being considered, that's good, that's good as well, just in case that goes down. Um, but hopefully most of the employees do stay are do stay on with Ring of Honor and Khan keeps them as well as, you know, keeping Honor Club. It just makes sense to me to actually keep that just so you can have not only all the Ring of Honor stuff, but then you can, like I said, add con AEW content on there as well. Because, I mean, it's not every day you get to watch, you know, AJ Styles versus Kazuchika Okada versus Michael Elgin for the uh, Ring of Honor World Championship. And then be able to actually stream, you know, all in. In, in the same day. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty good freaking deal. Hopefully, we'll see what happens. And I mean, I hope most of the employees do stay with Ring of Honor. And if they don't, well, we'll figure out all that too. I'll keep up with this as much as possible. And um, if there's any more news about, you know... What's going on with ROH and the employees? I will tell you as soon as I know sometime in the short future. That's going to be concluding the opening, technically opening segment of the podcast um, with all the news. When we come back, though, got a little bit more news before we head out for the week. We're going to be talking about Braun Breaker, his future in WWE, what's going on. I'll give you my thoughts on that. WWE hoping and praying for Cody Rhodes to be at WrestleMania, but apparently a deal is still not done. And we're going to end this week's episode talking about WrestleMania plans for Steve Austin and Kevin Owens. You probably already know what it is, but I'm going to tell you anyway for those that may not have kept up with the loop. Of course, I got all that on the other side of episode 325 of the YLP podcast. We'll be right back. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the final segment of episode 325 of the YLP Podcast. Still talking about the news of the week, and let's get right into it. As we head over to NewsNationUSA.com. Yes, this is where I found this article. It's from Wrestling Inc., but I found it. Alright, so let me live. But let's get into this. Backstage news on Braun Breaker's WWE future. Alright. On the latest edition of Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that there is talk of Braun Breaker going to the main roster pretty quickly. It is unknown how quick the transition is, but he and Gable Stevenson are supposed to be main roster bound. Former NXT champion appeared on Monday Night Raw this week, picking up a tag team victory. Braun Breaker is also set to be involved in the main roster house shows this weekend. During the recent NXT Roadblock show, he did lose the NXT Championship to Dolph Ziggler. However, 
It was Tommaso Ciampa who was pinned during the Triple Threat match. While it has not been confirmed, it is expected that Braun Breaker will face Ziggler in a title match at NXT Stand and Deliver. When it comes to Gable Stevenson, it is unknown when he will be making his debut within WWE. The Olympic gold medalist was featured in the draft last year, being placed on Raw. Since that point, he has yet to make an appearance on screen, but has been backstage at several premium events, though. It's premium live events, dumbass! Anywho, Breaker recently praised WWE Hall of Famer Goldberg for providing some advice to him. The NXT 2.0 star revealed that he's provided some wise words to him, particularly about being respectful, saying, quote, He gave me some wise words, just some things, but I've been around the business a long time, and I've been brought up in it, man. It's putting food on the table for my family, so I've been around it. I had an idea of how the etiquette is and how to act backstage and how to handle your business. He just gave me some wise words. Very, very similar to my dad's advice, go to work, keep your head down, be respectful to everybody, and handle your business, and be a pro, end quote. Now, as much as I would want to see Braun Breaker on the main roster, and I'm not going to say it's a case of too much too soon, but in turn, I'm going to go back in terms of the NXT Championship match itself. There should have been no fucking way Ziggler should have won the championship. And that's just my opinion. Okay? You have yours, I have mine. My thought is that you had, and I said this on Twitter too, you had a ready-made third and final match between Zit, not Ziggler, Breaker and Champa already pretty much ready-made for stand and deliver. But yet, we're going to give Ziggler the NXT Championship. Why? And then we find out the news about him possibly coming up to the main roster, pretty much ASAP. And then at that point, it becomes a case of too much too soon. Breaker's been in what? NXT 2.0 for what? Barely six months? Maybe longer? I get it. You need bodies. You need you need someone like a Braun Breaker to come up, but he's not ready yet. But then I have to go back into thinking with NXT 2.0. It's just that, you know, they're setting up guys and, and girls and pretty much setting them up to come up being roster bound. Yes, Braun Breaker is going to be one of those names that WWE will have in their future. I just don't think that future is necessarily right the fuck now. Now, there are is there rumors, you know, of the Steiners, of course, as I said in the uh, last segment, possibly being rumored to be the next inductees to go into the Hall of Fame, and that, in that case, um, Breaker Ziggler would be for the NXT Championship at Stand and Deliver. Breaker will become the new become a two-time champion and the signers will be there to, for his crowning moment and that would be all well and nice that would make for a nice moment nice wholesome moment at nxt stand and deliver but wouldn't it be better honestly if you had breaker retain said championship in the triple threat match pinning ziggler In retaining the championship, right? Then you have Breaker, Champa 3, at Stand and Deliver, and Breaker retains the NXT Championship. Steiners come out to have that moment. You're fucking welcome, Vince. I expect my check in the mail. Which I'll probably never get one because common sense and logic apparently do not go in WWE's fantasy land. So there you go with that. But that's the way you should have done it. You can still have, you know, if the signers are supposed to be, are, are rumored um, to be in said Hall of Fame, 
and have that moment with Breaker, wouldn't you want him to have it in a defense over becoming a two-time NXT champion? Wouldn't that be cool? You know, Breaker and Champa go to war for a third time. Breaker finally, you know, makes it 2-1, ends the feud with Champa. Because that kind of fucking makes sense. And then you have the signers come out to, you know, be there for his moment. WrestleMania weekend, all that good shit. Couldn't have said anything with that. And actually, I think it would be a much better moment. Because you end the feud with Champa and you have then Braun, you know, being, you know, my bad, you know, hands raised by his uncle and his dad having that moment and you do it on WrestleMania weekend and it's all good. All fucking good. I I really don't, you know, and mind you, I saw that from Kevin, uh, Kevin Castle on Twitter. So shout out to him for actually bringing that up. And I was, it's just one of those things where it's just like, I get it. Braun's got it. But not yet. You know, he had just won the title. And then we're just going to have him lose it to the freaking Dolph Ziggler. And then bring him up to the bring him up to the main roster on Raw? To do what? Seriously, to do what? Because I, I do not... You don't bring up a talent from the minor league up to the majors. And not have a plan for him. Understand? That's the, that's the thing. That's that's the big thing. What role is Breaker going to be playing when he does come up to the main roster? That's the key. Because if you don't have a plan for him to come up to the main roster, if you're just going to do bullshit, then don't bring him up at all. He's not ready. The second, the, once you take the title off of him you, and you start to bring want to bring him up, it's, it just doesn't like. It just, for me, it's just, I guess I'm still feeling, I'm still black and gold era until I die. So it's just like one of those things of just like, you got to cultivate him. You know, let him go through his title reign. There's plenty of guys that you still have that Braun could face before he loses that championship. Just how it works. But far be it for me to try to, you know, bring common sense and logic into a fantasy land that doesn't know how to fucking book shit 99% of the time. So... That's just my opinion. Anywho, we will move on. As we head over to F4WOnline.com. WWE hoping for Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania 38. Deal still not done. WWE has a creative plan for Rhodes, but time is running out to make a deal. This is from Joss Nason. Time is running out for a deal to be made between WWE and free agent Cody Rhodes if he is to appear at WrestleMania 38 in Dallas, Texas. Dave Meltzer briefly discussed the current situation on Wrestling Observer Radio, saying that Rhodes and WWE have yet to come to terms on a return to the company. He has said two sides are still negotiating and that creative had plans for Rhodes at this year's WrestleMania, but time is running out in order to get things in motion for that. Meltzer speculated that it would make sense for Rhodes to make his WWE return at uh, this Monday's Raw in Jacksonville, Florida, but if that Rhodes isn't there, a deal likely still won't have been reached. Last week, Meltzer said that Rhodes' status with WWE was very uncertain after many in the industry assumed he was returning after announcing in mid-February that he and wife Brandy would not be returning to AEW. Meltzer then said, quote, His status has changed in theory. He was on the books in WWE. They had creative laid out for him. They still thought on Friday, this was March 4th, that they had creative laid out for him. Now it's very uncertain. They don't know what's going on with Cody Rhodes. They're not sure, end quote. 
It's unknown what issues are preventing a deal from being signed. Honestly? <laughs> that's pretty much uh i don't care i don't give a damn i don't care i don't give a shit i don't i don't i don't <laughs> honestly i mean yes this is big news and this is all that stuff but and of course uh there's rumors out there of cody rhodes possibly facing seth rollins at wrestlemania um, that would be nice. I'm not gonna lie. It'd actually be a, a pretty solid fucking match, and I, I would watch that. I, I yes, I would watch that, hundred percent. But <laughs> I mean, seriously, why do? Why should I care? Why? I, I honestly don't need to. Because the simple, I mean, just just seriously. I said this last week. You know, until Cody Rhodes is physically or in some capacity going to be at WrestleMania, until then, I will not believe. I said this last week. Until Cody Rhodes is literally in there doing something, then, you know. I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Let me tell you, <laughs> right, let me tell you we don't care. That's all it is. What I want to see Cody Rhodes back in WWE, I don't really know. I have mixed feelings on it. Yes, because it would be something different and something that would actually be cool you know and see what capacity wwe will be willing to put him in but also i mean if if the rumor is you know cody rhodes versus seth rollins no not cody yeah cody rhodes seth rollins that would be fun that would be interesting that would be absolutely fun that'd be absolutely a grand time i would have a great time on that but until then whatever <laughs> that's just that is just how I feel on the, on the issue I mean if they get a deal done great if they get it done before WrestleMania fantastic if they're able to do it fan, that's awesome but until then I, I don't it doesn't matter until he shows up until we physically see him in WWE it means nothing to me I'm sure if it may if it does mean something to you that's perfectly fine you're not hurting my feelings hopefully I'm not hurting yours excuse me but you know come on until he shows up, let's just be, let's just leave it at that. All right, because Lord knows, Lord knows that uh, yeah. Because if we don't, the end. You know, I don't know what they're gonna do. Anywho, let's let's end today's episode with an article over at WrestlingAttitude.com. WrestleMania 38 plans for Stone Cold Steve Austin 
and Kevin Owens. This is from Bad Rose. That's the name they have on there. I'm not questioning it. Do you? Anywho, Stone Cold Steve Austin is working on his cardio as he prepares to get physical with Kevin Owens at WrestleMania 38. There had been rumors on Austin coming out of retirement to wrestle Owens at WrestleMania 38, but WWE has officially announced that Austin will confront Owens on a special edition of the KO show. Scheduled for night one of WrestleMania 38, or as they're calling it now, WrestleMania Saturday. What did he fucking do? While WWE officials wanted Austin to do a match, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter reports that the scheduled match was changed as Austin agreed to do the segment with a fight sequence, but not a match. Word is that Austin has been upping his cardio work as of late. The current plan for the segment at WrestleMania calls for a fight scene and not just a quick Stone Cold stunner to Owens. Why not? <laughs> it was noted that the segment is planned to consist of more than just a stunner to Owens, but that stunner is the obvious conclusion. There was still talk of doing an angle that to lead to a match between Austin and Owens if Austin were to agree to it, but WWE felt like the needed to announce Austin for the card this week and not at a later date. While Stone Cold has gotten physical at several events since retiring in 2003, WWE is billing his WrestleMania 38 segment as his first physical confrontation in 19 years. Austin is saying he's coming to AT&T Stadium to open one final can of whoop-ass on Owens. There's no word on if Austin will be appearing on Raw in the lead-up to the WrestleMania 38, but promotional material for the match indicates we won't see Austin confront Owens until the big event in Arlington, Texas that night. I honestly have to say, Austin made the right move. Austin made the right move and not, you know, doing a match. I'm sure this was Austin's call. 100%. I'm sure, you know, they want, I'm sure, you know, WWE wanted to honestly get a match between Austin versus Owens, marking it Stunner versus Stunner. And, um,. Being able to showcase that on WrestleMania Saturday. <laughs> and once again, an appearance from Mr. YLP Jr. himself. What's going on, bud? Nothing. What from a nap? Did you have a good nap? Yeah, I had a good nap. Always have a good nap, Ted. So, I need your opinion on something. Okay, what's up? Um, Austin versus Owens. Would you have wanted to see that? No. Hi, um, Dad, I'm still learning pro wrestling like Mom is, um, so I don't know who you're talking about. But thank you for the rubs. Make sure you scratch my butt. <laughs> and that is your weekly uh, opinion from Mr. YLP Jr. himself. Anyway, but getting back into it and talking about Austin Owens, I'm glad they're just doing a KO show and not a match. Um... Because I had a feeling that they didn't have enough time to actually make this work. And I think I saw an article um, a couple days ago about Jim Ross talking about Austin versus Owens. And he basically said, you know, they should if they were going to actually have a match for Austin and Owens, they should have gotten this going about six months ago. And getting all that, all, getting all the story going, letting allowing Austin to get, you know, in better shape for said match, all that good stuff. So, I mean, I agree with Jim Ross on that 100%. You know... If you're if you're gonna just have the just have that random thought, you know, that we're gonna do Austin Owens and you're doing it literally like less than two months before WrestleMania, I'm pretty much gonna say with Vince McMahon. Who was on crack? 
and let it ride. But honestly, this this should have like, this was honestly in my in my opinion, you know, WWE's attempt to try to make WrestleMania better than what they what they had out. I mean, I think I was looking at the card, you know, earlier today while I was, you know, preparing myself for uh, this week's episode here. And I basically, like, I saw what they had and I looked at it and I just started laughing. I just started laughing like crazy. Like, like this, like, just looking at it, feel me? Um, I think they, yeah. So night one, they have Flair Rousey, um, Lynch versus Belair, which is one match I'm invested in. Miz and Logan Paul versus the Mysterios. I don't care. Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. I don't care. And I believe they put, um, they put, I think they put both AJ Styles and Pat McAfee on night two. And then night two, Reigns versus Lesnar for uh, the title unification. I care about that. Women's Tag Team Championship, Carmella and Queen Zelina, Sasha Banks, Naomi, Liv uh, Morgan and Rhea Ripley. I don't care. Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn. I don't care. Edge versus AJ Styles. I care. Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. I only just want to see McAfee pump the living shit out of Theory's head. A la the same thing he did with Cole a couple years ago. If they do that, then I'm happy. But for the most part, night one looks like doo-doo. Dookie. And I believe, um, I think they're going to do, I think they're going to do the uh, KL show night two. If I'm not mistaken. If I'm wrong, let me know. Um, because dialogue and all that good stuff. But, I'm quite thankful that this is not going to be a match now. I, th- I think it was just too soon for WWE to try to be very ambitious and try to get this going when if you know when you're when I think about WrestleMania, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna close the show out on this. Excuse me. So I'm gonna cl- let me close out the show like this. In terms of WrestleMania, to me, you already have to be thinking about it. I'd say honestly, the minute after SummerSlam ends. Yes, you can have your Survivor Series stuff. Yes, you can all have all that. But honestly, it, to me. You know, as a person who is who is part of the old school, even though I'm a millennial like a motherfucker, I still think of the old school way, long term booking, good, solid storytelling, and matches that will keep you invested in said storyline. Austin versus Owens could have been something dope. I'm not gonna front like Austin versus Owens, Stunner versus Stunner. I think it would just made it made sense to do it. To me, it did. But in terms of in terms of time frame, I would have at least wanted to have a nice little six to eight month deal there for Austin to not only train and prepare for said match, but to, you know, get himself in shape and maybe do a couple segments during, you know, seeing, you know, Kevin Owens having a match with somebody and then Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out of nowhere, stunners Owens, screws him over, loses maybe a chance at the United States Championship, um, something of that nature. That leads us to Austin versus Owens at WrestleMania 38. I think to me, uh, WWE didn't give themselves enough time to make it happen properly. And that's on the detriment of WWE. They fucked up. They fucked up royally. Because honestly, I already had in my mind Rollins versus Owens no holds barred um, at WrestleMania if you wanted to go down that route. So... I mean, that match to me made more sense than seeing anything with Austin and Owens. We're going to get the segment. We're going to get the KO show. Good. Fantastic. 
Also knowing that Vince McMahon's not even going to be on the card, that's also fantastic because of the fact that he wanted smoke and mirrors, and he kind of fucked up on the smoke and mirrors part. So he just decided Theory was just Theory vs McAfee was just much better um, than what he was going to do. But the way I see it, Austin Owens KO show good match when they when they didn't have enough time to prep bad. But at least Austin's getting his cardio up, and I kind of need to as well because I mean living in altitude and trying to lift. It is horde. All right. But um, we'll see what happens with Austin Owens at Mania. I'm kind of interested in it. I'm not going to front. Just to see how all that goes, getting the you know the Dallas pop and all that. It's going to be a good moment. Stone Cold Steve Austin, people. If you don't fuck with him, then there's going to be a lot of people on Twitter ready to go ratio your ass real fucking quick. Let that be known. But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for episode 325 of the YLP podcast. When we come back, We'll close out the show with proper YLP fashion and get you ready and prepared for episode 326 of the YLP podcast. Be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 325. Of the YLP podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are. Thank you guys so much for taking this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Again, like I said in the beginning of today's episode, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions, anything at all, any news I may have missed, or if you just want to say hello. Do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message over on anchor.fm slash perspective or anchor.fm slash WrestleAddictRadio. You can also leave a comment over at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, Amazon Music Audible, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, you can hit me up with an email over at younglionsperspective, all one word, at gmail.com. All right, so sound off, let your voice be heard. I want to know what you're thinking about in terms of everything in terms of news, Lead of WrestleMania, all that good stuff. I want to hear your thoughts. Let me know what you think. Sound off with all of that. If you want to stay updated with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast, or if you just want to say hello, all that good stuff, you can find me over on Twitter at YLPerspective, over on Instagram at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective, and you can also find me over on Facebook to simply search for Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the YLP podcast. Share this episode across all of your social media and just let the people know. Spread the word. Let the people know about the YLP podcast. Let them know Mr. YLP is talking that good stuff and you need to hear it as well. But also, with the YLP podcast, the King's Earnings podcast, and the Frontal Media podcast, we here at Wrestle Addict Radio strive to bring you the very best quality entertainment when it comes to professional wrestling. To be the best of the best, the cream of the prop. Cream the crop, yes. Top of the pops. And just everything else. To be then, now, and forever the alternative for professional wrestling podcast. And to remind every single one of y'all that we are here to stay. Of course, most of y'all do not have the anchor app, and that's perfectly fine. You're not hurting my feelings. Everybody's got that, you know, one or two apps they use on a daily basis to get their podcasting needs. And lucky for y'all. WrestleAddict Radio is a spread across a ton, many different platforms. You can find all of our podcasts on. Of course, you can check us out over on 
Well, like I said, anchor.fm slash young lions perspective and anchor.fm slash wrestle radio, ambiguous podcast solutions.com, excuse moi, Amazon Music, Audible. Seriously, yeah, 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 we got that. Apple and Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castbox FM, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Make sure you search for the entire family of Wrestle Added Radio podcast and just enjoy the wonderful sounds of our voices as we talk about professional wrestling every single week. All right. I'm going to look over to the judges to ensure I fulfill my obligations and all that good stuff for this week's episode. Looking to the country of Japan, I believe I am getting a bow and I think we're good. So yeah, we're good on that. So episode 326, of course, will be going down St. Patrick's Day weekend. You already know. And of course, y'all know I'm excited about that. It's going to be a good time. Of course, it'll be my first St. Patrick's Day in Colorado. So I'm interested to see how these Coloradans get down with their bad self when it comes to St. Patty's Day. All that. It, it should be a fun time. I'm excited. Miss Wild P is excited. It should be a fun time. And uh, we'll, well, you know, if I get into any hijinks or nonsense, I will definitely talk about that on next week's episode. Of course, all the news that's fit for me to talk about, we'll be discussing all that. If you have any suggestions over between, I'd say, tomorrow until Friday. If you, have any, if you see any news that you believe would be wonderful to hear about on the YLP podcast, news that I may have missed, anything at all, do not hesitate to hit me up with an email. Do not hesitate to send those links over to me. Do not hesitate to talk about, you know, sounding off in the comments. Because seriously, dialogue created here uh, creates a better podcast for all of us. And I will definitely shout you out. Give you some love. Have you, let you have your wonderful moment of magnificence. So, is there anything at all? Send that my way. We'll discuss it on next week's show. Until then, make sure you guys have a fantastic weekend. I hope you guys have a very, very productive week ahead of you. If you got some shit going on in your life, hopefully you're taking care of all of that. Stay strong. Keep your head up. Keep fighting the good fight. I'm not just saying it just as cliche. I'm saying it because it's true. All right? With all being said, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy enjoy your week coming up. And I'll see you guys right back here next Saturday for episode 326 of the YLP Podcast. See you! This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.